particular part. I'm getting back. Well, my mind is starting yeah. to come back to yeah. it more. And I'm getting so real You close. had a big year at your one point, work. I literally sprinted yeah, That's the hard part about being a 40-hour boxer. I just keep hitting. Not really that. I've been going and, through. Uh, then right after him, the steps. I you know what I mean? Like I just been falling into what I know. He had got. I've been challenging myself. I haven't really just like feeling kind of burned. One going through the motions. And then I was like, "Well, hell, the championship's real easy. That dude was out there smoking cigarettes." I was like, "There ain't no way I'm gonna stop hitting him." Yeah, but at least you're keeping up songs. I just stayed on the gas. That's still not good enough. I could. I was starting to If I'm not getting better every day, then I'm not doing what I'm needing. But ever since then, but better at least maintaining the fall back. My left arm right here. Sometimes it's not even maintenance level, like falling before, like progress. Yeah, falling behind the progress. Put on. uh, You've had a tear somewhere. You've had a tear somewhere. Damn it! There we go. That happens. What's that? I was fixing my headphones. But yeah, I literally threw my left hand, and he moved his head, and it it got stuck like right here at the same time. Oh my god! Overhand right. Well, that was the same thing that happened to. uh, Preacher. Nah, well, yeah, preacher. Having a preacher, but, yeah. But uh, what's his name? He stopped out jabbing towards bicep. Yeah, he's unfortunately he was just fighting himself. Got caught on the side of his head at the same time he threw it overhand right. Jabbed you like that? Yeah, you had you had a little help with the hyperextension. It was Butch Klein. Well, he's taller anyway. Yeah, yeah. I still won the fight, but that was in the first round. I was like, he always does pretty decent. Butch says he's okay. He always does this, though. I don't know if you've ever paid attention. He throws this right hand, like, the open side of his hand, and he hits mm. it like this. Yeah. Huh. He, he swats you. Yeah. What round is it? Sixth? Uh, uh, five. Five. I don't give a shit about. <laughs> Diego's doing well, man. Fuck Diego. <laughs> go, Diego, go. <laughs> Can we build it? Yes, we can. Yes, oh, wait, we that, can. Was, that was something else. Wasn't no, that's Bob his cousin. Oh. Bob. <laughs> 19? Yeah. Barbetro. I've watched him fight since his pro debut. And had a pro debut on Fox. And he's had a good start, for sure. Yeah. Uh, good, finally. Let her fall asleep. Episode three of Apex Live. We're watching sparring on a phone and the fight on the TV. Yeah, we're watching. We've got yeah. the Lovekin Canelo pay per view on the TV. We've got sparring video and fight video on the phone. He's so solid with his contact. He's great. We have distracted Dave. Not paying a whole lot of attention to anything. I'm kind of here. Oh, uh-huh. Yep. Over nice there. shot. He, yeah, he landed it perfect on 
Right here somewhere. Right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Andrew Floyd's here. Good to see Andrew. Yeah, good to see you. I love that we have two different right. boxing things going on at the same time. His strongest punch is his left hook. And the one that's being watched the most is not the one that's been paid for, right. by the way. Right here, just watch. But that'll change whenever the main event gets here. Nice, pretty straight. Steve Randolph's here, as usual. Yes. I'm Brad. That's Steve. Dave yes. Markert joining us again. We are what up? We're actually recording at a different place this time. We're recording at Casa de Markert rather than our normal recruiting recording yeah, location. House of so. Markert. Thank you. Yes. And you know the best part of that is yeah. it's it's such a nice fusion of Spanish and German into the same thing. For absolutely but very no little reason. Spanish, actually. Uh, well, actually, it's it's two, it's twice as much Spanish as it is German. German, there's two Spanish words in it: casa and day. That's true. Of course, day may go Spanish or German. I'm not sure. Where are you going with this? Yeah, yes, your dago mustache and your greasy hair. Thank you, Dave. If you're offended, hit the button. Just Stupid Wop Dago. Just a, yes. If anything, if you were on a, any type of recording very often, it would sound like Morse code at some point if we were bleeping out all the stuff that would offend people. I love we got boxing going on in the background, boxing talk going on in the background. Us. Not talking about boxing. No, not talking about boxing. You uttering racial slurs and me trying to... I I was expounding on your racial slurs. I did not make any type of racial slur. I have a recording to prove it. That's true. It's it's a normal Saturday night. I think you're pretty smart, don't you, Trebek? What with your dago mustache and your greasy hair? What did I just say about ethnic slurs? I like Spawnwood. I think it's easy to In any event, we're here. I'm a girl. Just gonna, just gonna let that. that is I'm just, I'm just gonna isolate. I'm just gonna isolate that for later. Oh, that came really bad. We are all here tonight for a purpose, and that's to watch the biggest fight of the year by far. It's not Mayweather McGregor. That was a farce, and we all know it. We're here to watch Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez, the universally recognized and true world middleweight championship. The WBC has decided to put a very ornate belt on the line that makes absolutely no sense. It serves no purpose. There is not even a championship attached to it. It's just a big, pretty belt that the winner gets. And it's a shiny belt. And this is another reason why the WBC is such an absolute joke. But this is the fight we've been looking for for so long. The biggest issue has been we've got that list of three or four fights on our wish list every year. And and one of them may happen a year, if that. But that that overall wish list is the one that matters. And it's the one that you say, I don't care if it takes a year or two years or three years. This is the one that we want to see. And the, the fight that we have had on that list probably longer than any of them for the last couple of years as Golovkin has made that as, that ascension up the ranks pound for pound has been Golovkin versus Canelo. This yeah. is the fight we've wanted, even if it's on an overpriced pay-per-view. Thank this God. is the one that we wanted. This is the one we finally got it. I don't know how it's going to end up. It's a pick 'em fight in Vegas. It's a toss-up for me. I'm still yep. kind of debating my pick. But what are you looking forward to tonight? Uh, the main event. I think. It'll well, obviously, go. you're looking forward to the main I event. Mean, you didn't I, pay to watch Diego Del La Hoya fight. Yeah, the Rojo fight wasn't bad. Martin took it, but yeah, that was that, that was pretty. That was not fight. bad. But inside um, inside of the main event, what are you looking forward to most? I'm hoping actually. Be, I'm hoping to be wrong. I'm hoping to be wrong. I see this. Um, 
Triple G is viable up to the ninth. After that, if he doesn't get it, I don't see him taking it at all. I don't. He's not going to claim anything in the first couple of rounds. Uh, Canelo's too good. Probably up until the fourth, we'll see most of the action in the middle of the fight. If anything is going to happen, Triple G better make it happen there. So you think Golovkin gives away the yeah, first two? I don't think he gives it away. I think that's just they're not trying for it. They or he is it? They, both. I'll say both okay. of them aren't going to, but they're going to feel it out. So These are both good fighters. They're not total offensive or defensive. They can be if they need to. Okay. They prefer one or the other, but they, they can still use defensive tactics. So what you're anticipating for the first two rounds and for the last three kind of tells you that the only time you see a lot of really functional major things happening for Golovkin is going to be in the middle rounds of the fight. And, and, and what reason do you have for that? Is it primarily the size difference? Is it the way that Canelo tends to fight? What is it? Yes, the, the feeling out process in the first couple of rounds, they're going to feel each other out. He's going to be most viable when he starts feeling comfortable with it. You know, any fighter knows about second or third round, depending on how uh, Canelo approaches and everything, and he may throw a change up here and there. But as a fighter, you're in there. Um, first and second round, you feel him out. Now, if you see the opening, for me, I take the opening. Um, but you got to expect stuff to come back on you. Everybody's fresh. They're they're ready to go. Um, they're, they're most dangerous. If you hit them, something's coming back typically in those first couple of rounds. So I think they're going to be most most cautious. Then uh, come three to nine, that's when, if anything's going to happen, that better be the round. Now, I don't know. I'm kind of seeing uh, Triple G, yes, the size difference, um, the length. We've always talked about he is a good uh, fighter with his depth, moving in and out. You know, fighting right there where the guy is least effective but he can be the most effective in and out um but, uh, after that if he can't get to him i see him expending a lot of energy he is a bigger fighter yes he has more energy to expend but i think um canelo god the amateur experience the boy knows how to move he just he's comfortable in a ring well, the most fascinating thing for me about Canelo is the fact that he is significantly younger than yes. Golovkin. Golovkin yes, is th- right. Golovkin's 35, 36 years old, but he still had... Hey, what's wrong with 35? But he's had that many more professional fights. He's yeah. had, he is 49-1-1. and one. The age and the experience, you're right. Yeah. And it, it just seems so imbalanced, but you have, I mean, obviously you take into account that Canelo turned pro at such an early age. Golovkin yeah. stayed in the amateurs for so long, and that's really not how it's done uh, if you're if you're growing up in Mexico. You're going to go pro as quickly as you can because there's so, ma- there's so many shows, there's so many opponents that are just readily available, and if you show that talent in the gym, working through those gym wars, they're going to turn you pro pretty quick. Well, it was funny. They just said on uh, uh, Rojo, the, the Rojo fight, he turned uh, pro at 16. That was late for Mexican fighters. And I'm just kind of chuckling. I'm like, hey, 16 is late to turn pro? My God. It, it's incredible. Yeah, and then, well, that has a special meaning for you, considering you turned pro at 28, I believe. The ripe old age of 28. Let's and not forget the ripe old age. That's how it was said to you, specifically. So that's a big deal tonight, and we're looking forward to the fight. No matter who wins, this is one of the few fights that I may be able to make a pick. I may be able to look at it and say, okay, this is my prediction for what's going to happen. But I can't look at it and say, this is who I want to win. I'll 
I like both guys. Both guys are great for the sport because they actively seek to fight anybody that they can fight. The problem that that Golovkin has had, especially over the last two or three years, is once he really started to rise up those ranks, win a couple of belts, be visible thanks to HBO, he can't get opponents. So the talk. So all of his critics have always said the exact same thing, and this is the know-it-alls. He's fighting nobody. It's the know-it-alls on the boxing forums. It's the idiots in the Facebook comment threads who know absolutely nothing, who start screaming he hasn't fought anybody. Well, he's fought a lot of excellent B-level fighters, and B-level fighters win world titles. I'm talking Danny Gill. I'm talking Curtis Stevens. Martin uh, Martin Murray is another one of those guys that went 10 rounds with him before Golovkin stopped him. He's beating these guys. He's dominating these guys. He fought Danny Jacobs. Jacobs gave him a great run. Golovkin still beat him and had an off night doing it. So he's beating all of them over and over and over again. You cannot force these guys to step in and fight him. These A-level guys that you supposedly want him to fight, you cannot force them to get in there and do it. Absolutely not. However, the one guy that has gone out of his way and said, yes, I'll fight him, and it was the promoter that primarily got in the way, was Canelo. Canelo's never fought at 160 pounds. He's, fought, he's stepped into the ring at 160 pounds for a 154 fight or a 47, but he's never come in there at 160 pounds for the weigh-in to fight for the title. And not only did he do it, he's doing it against the guy that everyone else has avoided, and you've got to give him respect for that oh, hell yeah. right off the bat. With that said... The first thing that stood out to me, more than anything else, they announced the fight. Everybody's excited about it. And they have the first big press conference. And they step up for the first big stare down. And it's the photo op. And I think for the first time, everybody just took a step back for a second and said, Triple G is way bigger than that. He's huge. Like, way bigger than that. Yeah. And you don't see it because usually it's Canelo that loses the weight, puffs back up. He's got that decided advantage. Mayweather looked about the same size as Canelo in that fight. You know, Mayweather, Mayweather may have looked a little bit bigger, but he tends to do that a lot of times and you don't necessarily expect it. But as soon as that happened, I saw that and thought, that changes the way you have to analyze that fight because we've never really seen Golovkin hit and hurt. We have seen Canelo hit and hurt. And it wasn't even the good Miguel Cotto. It was Miguel Cotto's older brother that's, you know, short and pudgy and doesn't look all that good. And he hit Canelo when he was still on on the way up as a prospect and hit him and rocked him pretty bad in the fourth round. That was the undercard of a pay-per-view fight. Yeah, I remember we, we which one we, That was one of the first few we started watching together. And everything. It, it was one of the first pay-per-views that we got after you had moved back down here. Yep, and we got back into it. But I remember watching. It may have been on the undercard of a Pacquiao event. Uh, or something, I'm not sure. But I remember watching that, and for some reason that image is always stuck in my mind, because he may be gaining weight, he may be getting older, he may be getting bigger, but that vulnerability is still there. And if Golovkin catches you, you're going to have trouble. And that's one of the, another one of those interesting dichotomies of this fight, is how these, how these plus and minuses play out for them on each side. Because I think Canelo's defense is better, but I think Golovkin's durability is better. So well, you, how does this even out as you start to progress deeper into the fight? Three, four, five, six rounds. You have skills and you have dimensions, and I mean it. It all works differently together. I mean, that's part of it. That's the glorious part about boxing. Is there's so many small variables. It's hard to 
just say, yeah, he's going to beat him because he's bigger. Yeah, well, he's bigger, but Canelo knows how to move. Like we've talked about, he has all that experience in such a small time. So much of what he does, you can tell, is not necessarily pre-programmed. It is instinctual. But whenever the pre-programmed stuff starts to kick in, and he's so good from a technical aspect. He's a robot. He can do so many... I would say Golovkin's the robot, because you can't hurt him. But he is so good, so instinctual, and does so many things that just flow. And that's really the word that stands out for me when I think about Canelo. Everything he does just flows. He can throw punches and miss three. He can miss three of them. But it still somehow manages to look good, and you're not sure how it looks good. It's a smooth rhythm. It flows. It's rare that he ends up out of position. Yeah, He throws a punch, and it's rare that he's out of position to do something else off of it. And if he does, he's not in a place where he's going to necessarily get damaged quickly unless it's by somebody like Mayweather, and as good as Golovkin is and as strong as he is, he's not going to take advantage of those openings quite as quickly. But the ones he takes advantage of are going to be far more damaging than they were against Floyd. I always say when the guys are on a combo, he swims through the combo very well. and it, It's fluid. I don't, yeah, it's just fluid, and I mean, really, if he does it right... It, it, it's astonishing to watch. It really does look like they're swimming in, in air. And just well, we'll get a little deeper into it here in a minute, but for now, lay it on the line. What is your pick? I, I don't want ifs. I don't want splitting them up. Again, What's going to happen? You're, What's you're your right. Pick? This is hard because I do like them both. But for, I'm going to say, forget, I'm gonna say who you I, like. no, no. I'm going to say uh, Golovkin. Okay, how? Stoppage. Stoppage. Before the ninth. But, but you're taking Golovkin on a stoppage. A stoppage. So far, he, he's going to stop. Canelo. Amongst our list of picks that we've had, both from inside our our group that's here tonight and the people that have submitted them, um, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, the overwhelming majority has been Golovkin, and it's it's varied how it's going to play out. But it's overwhelmingly been for Golovkin, and I think that's it's tough to argue that because Vegas and the, the betting line has kind of started to swim the same way. It started to move in that direction slowly. It's not overwhelming, but it's been um, it's been moving toward Golovkin. Dave, thank you. No problem. And we'll drag Steve back into it here in just a moment. All I'm going to remember now is red tree frog. Red tree. Now you're going to go. What is the meaning of a red tree frog? And then you look. So what you is see the, the frog doing this? Frog. You see the frog dragging its. I never got into it because it was physically manifested and I was cool. If it wasn't real, I would have been like, first time I ever saw a tree frog, it wasn't real. So there's no omen. You just found a red tree frog. Yeah, it was red. I've never All seen. Right. I've seen green ones. Never saw a red one. Red, and, and, and you know nature. You know what wall? nature yeah. means in red. It's dangerous. Sure. Any like, kind of red coloring. So you're freaked out by a red tree frog? Is that what we're saying? I'm freaked out no more. I kind of can't believe it. It was different. Could it have anything to do with the fact that you've not slept much in like three days? This happened last week. And it's sticking with you? Yeah, it's weird. Have you ever had one last time had a red tree frog in your house? This is Michael. Yes. Yeah. So on. Oh, it's on. You can hear oh, him, can't God. you? Vaguely. I, I was kind of hearing it wasn't, but... Has anything like that ever happened before, though? No. Do you have to lean right up into your microphone? Have you seen yes. other frogs? No red ones. You know, I can't help but think of uh, Mitch Hedberg. Uh-huh. 
He's dead now, right? Oh, he's, he's dead. dead. He committed? Dead. No, he, he overdosed. Uh, oh, he, heroin overdosed. It was a heart issue, but heroin. he had been, he damaged himself for years with God knows what. All I, all the king of one-liners. Is, oh, jeez. All I hear is, hey, here comes that frog in a positive voice. Like, maybe he will settle next to me, and I can pet him and put him in a jar with a twig and a leaf. No, that wasn't working. Hey, Dave, you know how you were asking if you sound drunk? When you I imitate, when you ha- whenever you try to imitate Mitch Hedberg, you sound drunk. Well, I guess I should. That's proper then. But Laguintas actually you sound drunk. Become less drunk somehow. That's true. He actually slurs less when he's had a few drinks in him. I he does like Bender of Futurama, so that might have a correlation. Give him true. more alcohol, there, yeah. and he'll be like, oh, normal. I need plenty of healthy alcohol to keep my cells uh, charged up. You're not doing that. When you don't drink is when you're drunk. You're like, oh. Well, again. Why would you drink was, the water from my hand? Why? You know why I was most worried about that, though? About the voice thing. It wasn't how I sound on here. You realize right? that this is an intro. Whenever the music plays, you be quiet. Yeah, but I want to make this clear. Wait. My God. You know what scares me? Yeah. As we begin segment two of... Episode three of Apex Live is that it's like people have never heard anything that's been broadcast before. In I their didn't life. know we were doing a second soft intro. I like hard intros. If you hear the music, yeah, Justin Tip goes hard. If, and then if you hear the music, that really? means you be quiet now. Are you really you asking to... Dave to be quiet? And you've known him for how many years? That's you can't really ask Dave to do anything. He's not quiet. You have to speak to Dave in the same way Dave speaks to the dog. No, he's not quiet. Even his nose whistles <laughs> See, when he... See, he laughs because he knows I'm correct. It is his true. nose whistles when he breathes, and he snores when he's still awake. That's fantastic. He's not quiet. This is not the Dave bodily noise hour, no matter how much Dave wants it On to be, anyway, or you want it to be. If we're going to talk about how we sounded, the reason I Okay. Steve Randolph rejoins us now. I can talk louder. Steve. Yes. Let's get into the fight. All right. You are not necessarily a a major Canelo fan. I think we have established that early on. But you, at the very least, you respect his skill set. You respect what he's been able to accomplish throughout the years. And obviously the same is true of Golovkin. You metal, you... You take a lot of inspiration. You model a lot of what you like to do, especially now from what Golovkin likes to do, a lot of the passive defense, a lot of the aggression, the punch delivery, the mechanics. What are you looking forward to in the 12 rounds that we're about to see tonight? Um, actually, what the most intriguing part to me is is they both have an aspect where they like to come forward and they like to be the leader of the dance. Right. The thing that I'm really going to, I guess, focus on tonight would be who's going to take the lead role in the dance. Mm-hmm. Who's going to press? Who's going to look for the counters? Um, who's going to set up their counter off the other counters? Who so establishes the, the, their rhythm first? Okay, well, it's interesting that you automatically bring up counters because Golovkin is not normally a counter puncher. Canelo is usually a guy that will look for those counter opportunities. He'll come forward when he sees fit, but he will look for counters primarily because of how good his skill set is. And that's interesting to me for one reason, and that's because I don't think outside of Lomachenko, maybe Guillermo Rigondeaux, 
which that we're fighting a, later on. That there is a better master of distance. Certainly anywhere above 147 pounds. Oh, yeah. There is not a better master of distance than Golovkin. And it's so strange to see that from a guy who is an aggressor, who is always trying to make the fight, who wants to go in and land bombs and knock people out and put on a big drama show, like he says. Big drama show. So that's very strange to see someone that wants to manage distance that way. Because normally when you think of a fighter that manages distance, it's a Floyd Mayweather, it's a Purnell Whitaker. Yes. Um, someone along those lines. To see him do it as an aggressor, coming forward, and then slide back a half a step, a quarter step, step out a quarter step, just to create the exact angle he wants. Mm. How does that affect Canelo going forward two, three, four rounds whenever his traditional counter-opportunities aren't quite there, when he can't come forward the way he wants to because of the size difference? How is that going to affect the fight after the first three? Because remember, we had this, this exact same scenario of a big weight difference, a, fa- a supposedly faster guy, great technique, some X factors going his way when Canelo fought Amir Khan. Yeah. And Khan was great for four rounds. He was lightning quick. But every round, you could see that right hand getting a little closer, a little closer, a little closer. And by the time the fifth round got there, the right hand was there, and he knocks Khan out. So are we going to see something similar where Golovkin just periodically gets it dialed in a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and then that power shot is there six, seven, eight rounds into the fight? I'm, I'm kind of having a hard time with that part. Um, I think that... Canelo is such a different guy than Khan is, for sure. Triple G puts on too much pressure, purposeful pressure. Mm-hmm. He creates counters with his pressure. Right. Yeah, he's not wasting He's not a traditional, I throw a punch to get you to throw one to get my counter. He will... Oh, no, not at all. It looks like he's going to take him. He'll parry, you know, a little bit, just enough. Well, in this fight, Canelo is the traditional counter puncher. Yeah. He's the, he's the counter guy. But Golovkin is a guy that's going to manage that distance so well that he can land a shot, slide back half a step, and the counter you thought was there is gone. Oh, yeah. And th- that's kind of the dynamic that I'm referencing here, is how is Golovkin's management of distance with such precision going to affect what's going to happen in the fight on Canelo's end? Because he's got to deal with that weight disadvantage, and especially just, and, and the two are not interchangeable terms, the size disadvantage, the strength disadvantage. He's been hit by some guys that can crack. Yeah. He's never been hit by somebody like Golovkin can crack. Oh, yeah. This is a completely different deal. He's also hit a lot of guys that at least when he hits them, they respect it. Sometimes when he hits them, they go away. I cannot imagine a scenario where he lands one or two big shots and knocks Golovkin out. If Curtis Stevens hit him as hard as... And Stevens is not a technician. He's not a brilliant fighter. But he can hit like few guys can hit at 160, 168 pounds. He hit Golovkin as hard as he could hit him, and it didn't phase him. And he walked through him and knocked him out. So if he didn't do it, I don't see Canelo who can knock people out, but is not a knockout artist in that Julian Jackson, Golovkin kind of a mold. I don't see him doing it. So how does that play out? We talked the other night in the gym about that professional range, how everything works within that step, step and a half, mid-range. Where How do things play out in that way because of what Golovkin can do with distance and how that can affect Canelo? I think Canelo's more than likely, he's going to be more tentative than what people believe. Um, if he does get that you have a triple G step back off that range. If he gets a little overzealous, tries to push in on that, I, I see him getting caught early. Oh, do, do you see him starting off 
a little bit more aggressive and then gets backed off the first time he gets cracked? Or, I, or I is he so. going to be tentative to start? I think he's going to be the dance partner in this. I think he's going to be the one that's going to fade a little bit, try right. to get quick counters off that uh, the distance change. All right, I'll, I'll address this to both of you. Andrew, you can chime in too. Just speak into the mic. Take your Please take turns, though, however. There are so many X factors throughout the fight. What is the one thing that stands out to each of you most about what's going to happen tonight? What is the X factor for each fighter, the, mo- the biggest thing they have to concentrate on to win? I'm going to go with what we've been saying, uh, the size difference in the range. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it, it's hard to overcome that kind of... It's hard to overcome physicality, but when you add technique upon that physicality, um, it's not like uh, Glovkin works at range and is lucky. He's Whoa. reading things. He stays on the outside because he can see things better. He can see it coming. He's controlling in short steps. Yeah. He's not um, controlling things in broad movements, in broad steps. But the speed of Canelo makes it a toss-up, but I think that's going to be the biggest factor is the range mm-hmm. between the two of them, just a simple dimensions. Gotcha. Andrew? Uh, for me, the big thing is going to be, and one of my favorite fights I've ever watched is David Lemieux and Gennady Golovkin. Oh, my Lord. And but it, You know what? And I'm so glad you brought that up because that's another example of a guy that can just throw bombs. And he did not land a ton of shots against Golovkin, but he landed his big patented power shot, left hook, and it did nothing to him whatsoever. And my favorite part, my favorite part about that fight is uh, in every single round, I mean from the very beginning of the fight, Golovkin stopped him with a jab. Mm. He threw a million jabs every round and every one of them landed no matter where he was. And the whole time Lemieux was thrown off by the distance thing. He thought he's not in range to throw a punch and bam, he'd get cracked with a serious jab mm. and then that set up Golovkin's right hand the whole time. And when you get hit with his right hand, it's usually pretty fierce. And Golovkin's dealt with um, every style of fighter. Uh, it was a beautiful fight with Jacobs, and Jacobs did a great job. He's a hell of a man. Um, but I don't see Canelo overcoming um, Golovkin's timing and his precision. I don't think it's necessarily that Golovkin has more power than anybody. I think that he has such perfect timing and such perfect precision. Kind of like a prime Tyson did. With everything he throws, that I see him stopping everything Canelo's going to do with a serious jab. And then I see him backing him up with his right hand. And I see Canelo folding in the fight. Well, the, the only issue that I take with that, and I agree with, with a lot of what you said. The only issue I take with it is the fact that Lemieux is not known for head movement. He, he's, he is right on center all the time. And it's yeah. almost impossible to miss him because he's a front foot guy. Mm-hmm. So he's always going to have that pressure right on the front foot. He wants to turn into that left hook. And he'll give up defense. He'll give up position, whatever he has to, to land that shot. And Golovkin can control with that jab. I think he can do it because he's at a higher position. And I think he can land those shots and freeze him a little bit. But Canelo's also going to force some misses because he's so slick inside. Yeah. And I'm wondering how that's going to play out. I think Golovkin has to get his respect so much early for that reason. Because if not, Canelo's going to get that that confidence that says, I can take that half step closer and make him miss once and punch to the opening instead of trying to catch and shoot, instead of trying to have to take one to give one. Because that's the last thing he wants to get into. Well, and I think... In my opinion, if I was Canelo and I was in his camp, 
my game plan to beat Gennady Golovkin would not be to counterpunch and lay out. I would lay the pressure on and without fear because he's not a better counterpuncher than Jacobs is. He, he can't fight on the outside oh, better no, than no, Jacobs. No. So, I mean, he ain't going to win this fight on the outside, and he ain't going to win at counterpunching. If I was his camp, I'd tell him, do not. I'd have him in such good shape that he wouldn't stop throwing punches from the beginning to the end of each round. And I think that would be his only chance to... Because Golovkin has never really fought anybody that was able to push him back. And I, so true. we don't know if Very Golovkin true. can fight going backwards because we haven't seen it. So if I was his camp, I'd say push him backwards. He's a bigger man. Canelo's... Uh, he's not taller, but he is... Uh, seems like he's got more... Um, um, power on the inside, like to push somebody back if he fought on the inside. So if I was his camp, I'd tell him push him backwards because you know you just got to you got to know your strengths and weaknesses. I mean, we know this dude can beat every outside boxer he's fought, and you're if you're going to beat him, you can't fight on the outside. You've got shorter arms, and we know he what he can do to guys on the outside. The interesting part of that for me is that. There have been guys that have tried to get him to go backwards. Yeah, that was Lemieux's entire idea because Lemieux has said, "I'm not, I'm not a technician. I'm a power guy, and I want to go out there and impress people with my big, beautiful knockouts." Like he just destroyed Curtis Stevens with one left hook, and left I'm, hook. and I'm surprised he's awake now. And that fight was months ago. Those that was his game plan. Up. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna push Golovkin back. He said it in press conferences. He said it in write ups. I'm gonna get him on his back foot. I'm gonna make him go backwards. He never did. So. I'm wondering if, if Lemieux, as strong as he is, Lemieux has fought a lot at 168 pounds. Mm-hmm. Forget 160. He's fought at 68 more than once and has looked good and has looked strong. And he couldn't do it. Is it going to be extra agility with the feet mm-hmm. that's going to get Canelo a step closer to enable him to do that because he is smaller? Is it going to be something like that that does it, or is he just going to have to go for broke? I, I agree 100%. And one thing... Um along the lines with that is I hate so many people that are um, that discredit Gennady Golovkin they always say oh he hasn't fought anybody good I've never seen him shy away from a fight I've seen people back out on him but I haven't seen him back down to anybody well he can only fight the people that'll fight him yeah Billy Simon. Joe Saunders and I've seen him fight everybody I've you seen you just him. want him to knock Billy Joe Saunders cold yeah well me too he's a, he's a douchebag so, yeah, everybody I've too. seen him fight in the last two years has been Pretty damn good. So I mean, well, Curtis Stevens is a good fighter. Yeah, Danny Geal is—he was a world champion at least once, maybe twice. Jacobs at gone. middleweight, and he walked through them. Just because he doesn't have Mayweather's resume, and Mayweather always had a an interesting habit of fighting guys about two years after that fight should have been made. It happened with Pacquiao. Happened with a couple of others. Yeah, the one time he the one time he fought the guy in the his prime that resume. he was supposed to fight was Jose Luis Castillo, and we all know how that decision was and what that decision should have been. Yeah. But I digress. And he did win the rematch. Mayweather he, did win the rematch. He did fight Ricky Hatton when Hatton was on top of his game, and he beat Ricky Hatton, and I'll give him credit for that absolutely. So lay it on the line. What's your pick? My pick. Specifically, what's your pick? My pick is Triple G. How? Tenth round, TKO. TKO. I think the ref's going to step in. I think I don't think Canelo is going to go down. He's got a good chin, and he's got a lot of heart about him, and he's a good fighter. But I think he's going to start getting hit. I think he's going to tire down. So you think it's a mercy stoppage? I think the ref is going to step in and say, whoa. The very definition. Concerned Absolutely. about your life. Steve, biggest X factor. Uh, unrelenting pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's X On factor. which side? 
That's what's uh, interesting. On which side? Or is it whoever creates the most unrelenting pressure wins the fight? This has been a career-long uh, path for uh, Golovkin. Mm-hmm. So unrelenting pressure via Golovkin. Hmm. He's going to press him. Um, if Canelo tries to meet him in the middle, I got KO under four. If he lays back and plays counterpuncher, I got TKO uh, under six. So either way, Golovkin wins by via stoppage. I love my Kazakhs. Here's Not my th- cocks, but my Kazakhs. All right, coach. Now here, now here's another question that I think needs to be asked, especially with where this fight is, how the fight's been signed. Both of these guys are guaranteed fifteen million dollars. But Canelo has a rematch clause. Golovkin doesn't. Canelo gets the lion's share of the pay-per-view upside profit. Golovkin gets a much smaller share. The only loss on Canelo's entire resume, officially, was a loss to Floyd Mayweather. That was in Las Vegas. That was the one fight where Mayweather was not the dominant A-side other than the Pacquiao fight. Because of how much business Canelo generates. (laughs) Most people did not have that fight terribly close. Kind of close early on, thought Mayweather pulled away late. Those cards end up a majority decision for Mayweather. One of the cards gets ruled a draw. And it's hard to see how you could have given Canelo six rounds of that fight out of 12. Is this a fight Golovkin can win by decision? in Vegas, and we're talking openly and honestly about boxing. The one question I've had given to me more than any when people know what I do, at least one of the things that I do, is, is boxing really as as sketchy and skeezy and dirty as people make it out to be? And I say, absolutely not. It's worse. Tenfold. It is worse. I wouldn't say skeezy, but it is worse times ten. And the deeper you get into it, the more you figure it out. It's not the small commissions. It's not the big commissions. It's all the commissions. It's not the big promoters or the small promoters. It's the majority of the promoters. Follow the money. You'll see what happens. Hit and miss. You're gonna you're gonna run into it. You'll see some good ones, but But you'll see much more bad ones. And you should probably have a lawyer with you at all times. Average. At least. And that's how. Read your damn contract. Well, and that's but that's how it works out. So, is this a fight that he can win a decision? That's a big question tonight. Is that a fight where he can win a decision? There's Golovkin one or not? I say no. You say you can't. I mean, unless it is that glaringly. I mean, Canelo gets down a few times. Uh, yeah, but it better be glaringly obvious. Well, I'm going to give you my X factor. My X factor for the entire fight is close rounds. Yeah. And the simple reason right. is tied to that. There is no way Golovkin is going to be given. Two out of three judges. He won't be getting the benefit of the rounds. Ever. He is not getting close rounds because the crowd is going to be decidedly Canelo. He's not going to get these, and when he does not get these close rounds, that's going to pile up on the cards, and that's going to be a major difference. This this is a fight that if it goes twelve, has split decision, majority decision. Lord forgive me for even suggesting it before the fight draw written all over it. Because if it, it's a draw. Because if it did all this, then you can obviously do it again with a rematch. So that's what it looks like to me. And I think the biggest X factor is close rounds. When Golovkin wins rounds, he has to win rounds big. When he wins them big, he has to do something that stands out for judges early in the round and late in the round. Because if you let Canelo steal the round in the last 10 seconds, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt every time. So that's a big deal for me. Yeah. I don't see Golovkin being that lazy in any round until he starts to just taper down on his energy. But even then, 
it should be balanced. Both of them will be getting tired. Well, and I'll give I mean, you. A, these guys are both pretty top quality athletes. But I'll give you a second. Having a big, I mean, speed, yes, reaction time, length, but endurance. I see them both actually probably about even. See, I that's disagree. My, my I disagree for one reason. Okay, mental endurance, and that's the biggest. Uh, I'm talking physical. But that you're is, right, the, but that's, that's the biggest point. X factor for me. Other than the judges, Vegas can be an X factor on its own, but judges okay. are what they are. I know, I know how judges are sometimes selected for events, so I, I get to make that decision and make that statement. The biggest thing for me within the fight, within what's going on inside the ropes, is Canelo's endurance. Because he he knows that he gasses late in fights. So for the yeah. last three or four fights, it started around the time of the Lara fight, maybe a little bit before that, he has been very very conservative with his offensive output, with what he's choosing to do. There are rounds against Mayweather, he was throwing 25 punches, 30 punches. And it's because he was trying to conserve as much as he could down the stretch. If he starts gassing out in those fights, if that tank starts going down that early in fights at 147 and 154, what's it going to do with a guy like Golovkin that is not only putting that physical pressure on you and not only doing that damage, but he's putting that mental pressure on you? But this isn't at 140. This fight is higher. That's what I'm saying. He's got so, more weight to yeah. carry. He's got more muscles. Is he's it got more weight or is it more energy stored up in those muscles? you got to remember, if this is more his natural weight, his body may be able to handle it depending on how he trained. That's why I'm, that's the X factor. Yeah, and just I just throwing it in. knowing what he's done and knowing how it's played out against True. smaller guys and knowing how important and this is the biggest key for me, knowing how important the speed, the timing, and the agility is gonna be, that makes the endurance even more of an important factor in this fight. Because once you get into the sixth, seventh, eighth round Those and your timing goes matter. down a little bit more that right hand lands by Golovkin. That left hook lands for Golovkin. The fight ends quickly. So that's the biggest X factor for me. It's going to be an interesting fight no matter what happens, but I'm really interested to see how his endurance plays into this. And we need to think about the mental strength aspect of this, too. I mean, you look at Triple G. He seems to be a, a mentally cyborg. superior athlete. Like he doesn't show any kind of emotion. He's essentially relentless. Yeah. I mean, what what can you really do with somebody with that skill level, with the relentless mentality of mm-hmm. probably death before loss? But mean. Canelo has also shown he settled back whenever he gets tired or gets hurt. He settles back into more of an amateur, in-and-out kind of style attack, get the hell out before anybody can be close to me, airs on the side of safety. Um you know, just more of a tag, score the points, leave. Score unless the points, he leave. is. and chess. Unless he is well above whoever he's fighting. See the Liam Smith fight. See the way he viewed Amir Khan in the fight. Unless he's at that level, he wants to play chess. He wants to sit back and box oh, sure. and not fight. When he fights somebody like Khan, he wants to go in and make a point and fight and knock him out. Golovkin always wants to fight, but he does it inside of boxing. And it's fantastic to see him do that because it's so fan-friendly and it pays off down the line for him. That's why he's getting this fight tonight. That's why he's getting it. He's a purist. I mean, if you're a purist, then Golovkin's your guy. But he's a robot. Cyborg. Whatever he is, you can't hurt him. And that's what's interesting. And you say that, and then Canelo could come in and land a perfect shot. He gets hurt. and knows it. it. That's the thing. He has a perfect poker face. Mm -hmm. I've seen him take steps back, you know, yeah. And he, Most of the time he, he powers through the punch. He powers right hard. through it. <laughs> so, Dave, you've got Golovkin on a stoppage. Yeah. Andrew, you've got Golovkin on a stoppage. Steve, you've got Golovkin on a stoppage. My pick is Golovkin on a late stoppage. I think the size is too much. I think he's going to wear him down in ways that Canelo has never had to be worn down. 
And that, that, that is a big, big... It, he's had 51 fights. He's seen, remember this, almost everything. He's not seen someone as big, as aggressive, and still as skilled as Golovkin is. That is a major factor. Now, if this goes to the... Again, if it goes to a decision, all bets are off. You have no idea what's going to happen, and that's terrifying. And it should be for boxing fans who have waited that this long for, for this fight. For this fight. They've waited that long for this fight. But I think that's a decision. We do have a couple of guest picks to get to. Justin the Teddy Bear Navarius, and in his pick, he takes Golovkin on a decision. Coyote Duran, who's a friend of mine, no, he runs Coyote. Just hang on. Okay. Coyote Duran, who runs Coyote Duran's Creation Nation. He's also the, a managing editor or a copy editor for RingTV.com, which is the digital counterpart for Ring Magazine. Friend of mine from Aurora, Illinois. Uh, he takes Golovkin by way of decision as well. It seems like everyone is going Golovkin. The only person that has not picked Golovkin that I know was Seymour from Apex, and he picks Canelo on points because he doesn't think Golovkin can win a decision in Las Vegas. So you see already how that's starting to skew with selections. That's happened in Vegas. It's happened just with the people that we know. And that should tell everybody something. So in just in that vein, a Canelo win tonight would be an upset, Steve. Okay, so... I know Dan Jacobs doesn't have necessarily the the pool that Canelo does. Correct. But Golovkin fought him in New York. Jacobs is from New York. He won a close decision there. He did. But people don't necessarily have a colloquial term in boxing, those New York decisions. Yeah. It's those yeah. Vegas decisions. Nobody there there was a time in boxing Those boxing decisions. There boxing. was a term there was a time in boxing where your main goal was to get to fight at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And New York has so screwed their commission up. And Vegas built themselves into what they are starting in eh, the mid-70s, late-70s, and then through that massive era in the 80s when you had every big fight at Caesars Palace outside, into the casino era with MGM Grand and Mandalay Bay and all those in the 90s, and into the current era. Now your goal, if you fight anywhere, if you fight in the United States, if you fight in the U.K., if you fight in Australia, you can sell out arenas with 50,000 seats. Carl Froch fought in, he, you know, he's from the UK. He fought at Wembley Stadium in a rematch with George Groves, sold 85,000 tickets. That fight sold out in an hour or two. And they asked him what his goal was, and he said he wanted to fight in Las Vegas. And the biggest regret of his career is he didn't get to go fight in a big fight in Vegas. There is a big, there is a major energy that is drawn to that. And even with that said, and even with the commission having all their all the eyes on them, and that's going to be a major issue after this Mayweather-McGregor nonsense, even with their eyes on them, even with all the business there, that's what people want. But sketchy things happen. Some of the worst decisions I've ever seen have come out of Las Vegas. That's happened over and over and over again. So the fact that people are so concerned about that, Maybe they're a little bit ahead of it. Because right now, the smart bet for me, with a, with a fight that's a toss-up this much, if I was putting money on the fight, I'd put it on the draw line. Why? Because yeah, Vegas is about money. money. And if you can do it once, you can do it twice. And if you get a 15-13 Canelo, 15-13 Golovkin, 14-14 in the middle, the rematch has already built itself. You don't have to spend a dime to promote it. You just wait four months and do it again. And it works out perfectly. You're away from college football. Do you see how easy the script already is? And we yeah. have not even there. had the it's bell there. for round one of the fight yet. Not even once. 
And it's happened before. We've seen it happen before. Oh, yeah, but it can he's also... Not win, he's not winning a decision. There's no way he wins a decision. And if he does, you can argue that it's just to set up the rematch because Canelo has the rematch clause and Golovkin doesn't. You can actually sit here and argue that a bad decision would go for Golovkin just because Canelo has the rematch clause and he doesn't. One good thing is... Follow the money. True. One good thing is... Um, with two fighters like Canelo and Triple G, is that um, even though you know Vegas and all these schemers and stuff, you get two fighters like that, and it, it's not a show. This this isn't Mayweather, McGregor. This ain't a show. These dudes are going out there with all their heart. This is an event. This and is it, not a show. This is an event. And if these two guys fight with all their heart, the good thing about it is, is you can't you can't lie about that. You can't hide that. The judges can't script that. When all two that, guys go in there and give it all they got, and we see who the better man is in, all the, that in the sport, um, you know. So that's what I hope to see, and I'm so thankful we get to see the fight. You know, I I get so sick of all the um, propaganda and business getting involved with boxing, where it's just becoming so uh, about the money. And, it's it's politics, and the and the it, fighters, it's boxing politics. The fighters are scared to fight uh, the better person because they don't want to mess up their record. They don't want to lose. Instead of going out there and saying, "Hey, I'm going to," I know I'm a better man. I want to prove myself, and that's the good thing with this fight. We're getting to see that. These are people who want to go in, and they, you know, they talk about their bravado, and they're going to go in and knock this one out, and this one out, and this one out. And yet, everything that happens outside of the ring, in the business side, in the personal side, all it is is fear, mm-hmm. because they're so afraid to lose that zero. They would rather be called a coward for avoiding a fight than to go in there and fight someone and have to admit that they were better and maybe never get a shot to avenge it. The one that always stands out to me, we're getting our super fight now. Mayweather-Pacquiao was probably three years too late. If we're being honest, it was three years too late. Absolutely. Mayweather should have and Pacquiao should have gotten together right after Pacquiao knocked out Ricky Hatton. Because it never, as big as it was, it would have never been bigger than it would have been right after he wrecked Ricky Hatton. So you got that, you got it, but you got it three years late. The one that escaped us most in the 1990s was the fight between Riddick Bo and Lennox Lewis. That was the fight that was supposed to happen because Bo and Lewis had fought in the Olympics, and as amateurs, Lewis had knocked Bo out. So Bo was all about he he wants his shot. He wants to avenge that loss. Constantly, that's all he talked about. So finally, Bo gets his title shot against Evander Holyfield, who at that time had all three major belts, WBC, WBA, IBF. He goes in, beats Holyfield in one of the greatest fights of the 90s, wins all three belts. And the WBC says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make Lennox Lewis, who has fought so well with the WBC against our, our top 10, top 15 contenders, we're going to make him your number one contender. So what did Riddick Bo do? He took the WBC championship belt and threw it in a garbage can at a press conference. <laughs> when you do that, you no longer get to complain that you never got your big super fight. You had yeah. your fight and you threw it away. You would have come in with the champion's advantage and you threw it away. By the same token, same Riddick Bow, same Riddick Bow, fought Jorge Luis Gonzalez, the big undefeated Cuban who, 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 was, who had the bald head and the thing sticking out the back of it. It was a it was a mullet, but it wasn't. It just looked weird. Yeah, it looked like a carpet sweeper coming off the back of his bald head. It, it made weird. no sense. So, 
Gonzalez had beaten Bo in the amateurs and chased Riddick Bo. And this is after Bo had lost his title to Holyfield in the rematch and had not looked great against uh, you know a couple of guys after that. Didn't look great against Herbie Hyde. Had some other fights for, for the WBO title. So finally, he wanted to avenge that title with Gonzalez. Gonzalez hadn't fought anybody. So they set up that rematch. Well, Bo knows he's better. He takes that one. Oh, no. He wrecks Gonzalez in six rounds, knocks him ice cold, lands on his face. It takes him two or three minutes to get him up. He takes that rematch, but he runs from Lewis. And after he runs from Lewis, he spends the rest of his time complaining he didn't get the Lewis fight. And that, that right there was kind of an outlier in what happened in the 90s when you had all of these great showdowns, Whitaker and Chavez, De La Hoya, Whitaker, De La Hoya, Trinidad. You had all those great showdown fights. De La Hoya, Corte, one of the best fights of the last 20 years was De La Hoya and Corte. You got those. But you, you got the big fights in the 90s. What happened with Bo and Lewis has kind of become the way that boxing is run now. And as bad as it is to see it on the national level and the international level, it happens locally. Oh, yeah. People will run from a tough fight. I've seen people that are undefeated duck people with a losing record, because not because they'll beat them, because it'll be a tough fight. And they think that'll make them look bad. If that is that much of a concern to you, stop fighting. Go play golf. Get out of the ring. That's an embarrassment. You can't play boxing. That's well, an embarrassment. Who was it that made the the, the picture? Uh, these these ain't fighters. These are businessmen. And they're right. All this stuff is being set up before, and you know they're they're tilting the scales as much as they can. Too much planning. money to be made. Yeah, but there is a business aspect is, to this. There really isn't that much money, especially at our level. It's a whole lot lower. Now, and, now, and I will say this. From a coach side, from a management side, what have you. What up? There is, there is a business aspect to this because once you reach a certain point, get past two, three, four fights, and you have a good record, right. you've, done, you've done well at some times. You ha- KO, stop it. You have, to, you have to understand what you are worth. You have to understand your value, and you can't get underpaid. So in the business aspect, absolutely, you should get paid what you're worth. But there's a difference between that and using it as an excuse to avoid anything that even remotely represents a difficult fight. Okay? I'm not going to mention names. I'm not going to mention names. But I will mention a scenario. And it's one, Dave, you are wildly aware of. Steve, I don't know if you know this story. There was a fighter who had an undefeated record, had had thousands, okay, not hundreds, thousands of dollars dumped into him by a local manager. Yep. Had a fight signed for him against someone had no chance of beating him. Really, if he goes in and fights his fight, he has no chance. Signed for the fight, backed out of the fight. Why? This is an, good. In, an injury. This is good. No, not an injury. Was an injury. Was it a time conflict? No. Work conflict? Not hardly. No. He backed out of the fight because he had a bad dream about fighting this guy who had had, at the time, three pro fights. And this is after months of grandstanding and talking and mouth running about all the things they're going to do and why and how. I had a bad dream. Now, it was never understood, did you lose or did you not fight? Well, what happened in the bad dream? We don't know. There was I had a, a bad red dream, frog so I backed on my out wall. of the fight. And uh, looked at me, said, "Bud, was it a red? Was it a red tree frog? Red tree frog. Red tree frog. 
who did this. Might have been. For those of you who understand that you're listening to an audio podcast, Dave just did a throat slash with his thumb because we have no video. It's okay. I figured you would, you'd, you'd let them know better than I could. For our dedicated listeners, last time on episode two, Dave waved whenever he was introduced. Don't worry. There'll be plenty more. I got, I got to keep these guys on their toes. You'll get these guys. Is that yeah. the same as you people? These by any stretch? So... What we so basically what we've learned is that everyone, with the exception of Seymour, and his is more of a political pick, has picked Golovkin to win tonight, either by KO or a decision. But primarily, it's been a stoppage pick. So this is going to come down to how big he is, how good he is, and how he's going to be able to control it. That's I'm saying I'm hoping for it. I I, I mean I. I'm the first one to say anything can happen in a fight. The saddest thing for me so far is this is a pay-per-view with an $80 price tag. Yeah. We've been recording for an hour and a half. I haven't missed anything. Total, something great. like that. We've we've had one fight that was the most exciting thing that Good happened in it. about the seventh. The most exciting thing that happened in the fight was the low blow where somebody got a point taken. The, the second fight... Diego De La Hoya goes in and on Letterman's card wins 100 to 90. I didn't hear the official cards, but if Harold's got it, it 100 to 90, pretty Harold will usually give you a sympathy round, a yeah. courtesy round if it gets too bad. And if he bagels you, you're screwed. So that's out. <laughs> the, bagels you. The third fight. What's wrong? You need a little bagel. The third fight, diet, it looks like huh? JoJo's pretty much in control of everything that's gone on. Yeah. I've only been watching in bits and pieces, but He's we, we know how good JoJo is. So. Again, we've had an undercard that somewhat underwhelming. We're paying a lot of money for a whole lot of... The, s- the same thing happened with Mayweather McGregor. I, I was convinced. Dave, I talked about this yeah, in the gym. Yeah, you were pretty excited for I it. thought Tabidi and Cunningham was going to be a great fight on the undercard, and apparently it was a dud. I didn't see it, but everybody's complained about it, so yeah. apparently it wasn't. Cunningham wasn't. forgot to fight. Yeah, the, Mayweather, the Mayweather-Pacquiao undercard may be the most insulting thing I've ever experienced in my lifetime, so that was terrible. So we're just going to have to hope that the main event delivers in the way that we expect it. I think it will. So we'll take a break till after the. Uh, we're going to we're going to take a break and we'll come Starting back. Starting to learn with this our, radio, radio. We're going to come back. Thing. It's the same thing. So we're going. It's just radio. All right. It's, this is a radio coming at you live. Again, you ask when we. You ask us to tell you when you sound drunk. You sound drunk. Aww. So why is it when I try not to sound drunk, I sound more drunk? You sound like Bender just now. Aww. Aww. But we're going to conduct a little business. We're going to watch the main event. Be we'll come back really with do. our post-fight commentary. Talk about what happened. Talk about how it happened. I'll have more beer in me by then. And if it goes more than three or four rounds, or if it goes to a decision, especially, we'll give you our scorecards. Talk yes. about what we thought happened in the fight. We'll tell you about a couple of big announcements for the podcast that tell are pretty you some cool. Private facts that you don't want to. hear. Here, um, get a little intimate, and we'll love you. The only See, way I can, can do this, and it's not a problem. But I'm I, done. It's all perfect. I love that mute button, man. Just anyway, enough. what I can do <laughs> does like that button. It's why. It's why I've Respect got the mixer. Respect my authority. We'll conduct a little business. We'll tell you about some stuff we got coming up. We've got a crossover episode coming up with a channel that's on, available on Twitch, which is a gaming platform. We'll explain a little bit more. We got more about crossover that. with some pornos, and no, we don't. Oh. We don't. Maybe you do, but we don't. Boxing porn. So we're going to talk. (laughs) We'll talk a little bit about what's going on on Twitch. We'll talk about some social media things coming up. I'm actually excited about that Twitch thing. It's kind of I've heard some more stuff about it, and I'm really liking. And our next episode is going to have your more traditional set down feel. We've got an interesting topic next time. That should be fun. And our top five list. We we also we will call out the top five for next. time. That's another thing I need to say before we take this break. 
we're doing a top five list for our next episode. I've already got my list made. I think Steve's got most of his figured out. Dave's, I can fly. Dave, I can you always want to go off. I'm the making top. my shit up. Dave's still figuring his out. Um, the I'm top five list is going to be your desert island dinners. You're stranded on a desert island. Water supply is not going to be a problem. What will your all what, you get is that you've got five meals that you can pick from forever on this island. Now, if you're going to have like a steak, no, and a, if it's steak, baked potato, green beans, that's a dinner. Don't try to cheat the system. It's one or two sides and an entree, but you get that. You get these five things forever, and it can be stuff that was homemade by your family over the years. And it just you know it just magically gets recreated. It could be stuff that you've had from restaurants over the years, but anything is fair game. But it better be something know, you I like, because you're going to have right it now for years. Waffle Hut. So that's going to be you want to you're going to you're going to burn a top five spot on Waffle Hut. I will. Yes. Okay. Well, it's your list. Is that good. But I said all that to say this. We're getting a lot more things out there for social media, more availability. If you want to reach us on Twitter or Instagram, you can at Apex Live Podcast. We've got a Facebook page coming. And if you want to reach us via email, which is usually the best way you can do it, apexlivepodcast at gmail.com. Send in, if you like, your top five desert island dinners. I've already got one person that sent in their list, <laughs> and I've got a couple others that will, too. And so, don't forget, there is the Apex Combat Facebook page just for the boxing. And search Apex Combat on Facebook. That'll be there. We're going to attach the Apex Live podcast page oh, yes. to that and link it on there as well. This is so something we've, different. We've got a lot of stuff coming up with social media, some other platforms. You can listen to us exclusively on SoundCloud. You know that if you're listening to this. But we're going to stay exclusive to SoundCloud for the next little bit until we get some other things worked out as well. But we'll come back with post-fight commentary and let you know what's coming up on our next podcast in just a little bit. Oh. Well, if we're playing Double Vision by Foreigner, there must be a reason why we're playing Double Vision by Foreigner. It's because that's what the judges must have been suffering from tonight. It's part three of our Golovkin and Canelo watch party special for episode three of Apex Live, and we are not too pleased with what just happened. Really. Fight is over. Draw! And as expected, you know, I should have laid money on it. 118-110 Canelo. Teddy Bear called I'm, it I'm really, afternoon. I'm really rather surprised that Adelaide Bird was able to watch the fight. She was probably too busy trying to keep track of her seeing eye dog at ringside. One fifteen, <laughs> one thirteen for Dave Moretti in favor of Golovkin, and then Dontrello with one fourteen, one fourteen. It ends up a split draw across the board, and as expected, Vegas gets what they want, and we'll probably have to do it again, or so they say. Steve, that was uh, expected. It was unexpected. It was expected. It was everything that we knew it would be. I'm, uh, I'm frustrated by it. I know you are as well. I'm amazed Adelaide that we Bird. could continue seeing this happen in big fights. The last thing we need in boxing is big fights with a lot of visibility and another controversial ending that just fuels the stereotype for what boxing is. And yet it's another example of the Vegas decision. Uh, your thoughts on what you expected coming into the fight and how that played out throughout the 12 rounds? I called for KO or a stoppage. Um, I expected the uh, the pressure like it was. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't expect Canelo to uh, melt and four-corner the whole fight. Um, the end of the fight, I don't think you should ever... Uh, trust someone that can't decide what they want for dinner 
to uh, to decide something like that, but that's just me. <laughs> and if you all don't know what that means, just sit and think about it mm-hmm. for 30 seconds and you'll get it. Um, you know, that's one thing we were talking about while we were watching the fight over the course of the 12 rounds. The fight really did seem to change after four or five rounds. There was a sequence when Canelo was trapped up against the ropes and ate a, a quick one-two, right hand hit him kind of high on the head, and immediately the double backs, the elaborate foot movement that was giving him some angles early on that won him, at least on my card, won him rounds two and three after Golovkin had won one pretty clearly. Everything stopped. Everything came to an end. And by the time we got into the sixth or the seventh round, I know I remarked to everybody while we were watching, it literally started to look like the last three or four rounds of Cotto and Margarito. It was the four corners. Retreat to a corner, retreat to the ropes, try to pick your shots, get something off of the gloves, get something off of a shoulder, roll into a counter, get a late rally in the last 15 or 20 seconds. And judges too often are fooled by that and usually get the excuse, well, bad judges are fooled by it. Well, apparently the so-called, and I'm making air quotes for the the radio crew, the world-class judges are fooled by it too. That was an abysmal decision. Dave, what you expected coming in what you got over 12 rounds unfortunately yeah i was wrong hey whatever um, what was your final fight? card i what was it dave moretti had one 115 moretti had 115 113 to i could see it pretty close to that and i got no problem with that uh, steve you scored at 16 12 like i did i had 16 12 i'd give it that yeah that i would give it that but i mean i guess that's fair did you have it wider for golovkin of course okay but I'm using actual scoring criteria, uh, clean, effective punches, effective aggression, ring generalship, and defense. All of them building and working off of each other. Unfortunately, it's a fluid, subjective scale. It is. And money comes into play. Andrew Floyd, come on in here for a second. Yeah. You came in, and, and one of the, fir- one of the first, first things that I talked about with an X Factor was how was the size going to have an effect on on the fight and how was Canelo going to react to it it started to pile up around the fourth or fifth round and by the time you got late in the fight you could see the effect it was having on him the point and I think that it did your big point was the jab and what the jab was going to do in that fight and really from it we showed it in the first round and then from the fourth round on until late late in the fight when Canelo probably rallied and won the last two rounds at least he did on, on all three of the, of the judges scorecards I believe the jab controlled Canelo from from pillar to post in that fight so you were spot on with that as well yeah it was a, a beautiful display by Gennady Golovkin with the jab uh and I scored the fight 116-112, uh, Golovkin, because... So non-boxing aficionados who can't do it in your head, that's eight rounds to four. He, and that's a cl- that's one of those that we call competitive but clear, close, yeah. close but clear. It wasn't a blowout 10-2, and that's what Adelaide Bird had that fight. Ten rounds to two for Canelo Alvarez, which is an absolute outrage. If you paid money for this fight, if you had a vested interest in this fight at all, in whatever manner that takes form, that was atrocious Hell, to score the, that fight 10-2. to two. I give it to the draw better than I give it to that. I mean, come on. I would I mean, agree even, with that. I can the see, draw is still pretty appalling. But. I can see a draw much easier than I could see, and that's given him the bit. And the, that's the other X factor I talked about beforehand was close rounds. That That's a judge that's giving every even 
remotely close round. That's scoring a round on one punch landing for Canelo that was visible as opposed to the other scoring criteria. So that really set in. Steve, I know you have to go. Thank you for joining us for episode three. We'll be back probably Monday, Tuesday. Go again and, and enjoy that, and we'll wrap up here. But pleasure as always. Uh, thank you. I had a great time with everybody tonight. Oh, absolutely. We'll do it. Ladies, man. Go get some sleep. I'm going to try. I got all and hang on about. here. All three chips. We'll go ahead and say that. that in. We'll go ahead and say this for everybody. Anima, Steve had to be up style. at three o'clock this morning and drive to Charlotte. and drive to Charlotte. I was up at five forty-five to drive to Morgantown. West Virginia won their game. Wake Forest won their game. It was a pretty good day overall, but I think we're all pretty tired. Um, looking forward now to where we're headed throughout the sport. It is. It's tough to imagine another fight for either one of these guys based on what happened than a rematch because. No, you could sign Canelo Mayweather too, and there will be people who say, "I don't want to see Canelo Mayweather too. I want to see Canelo Golovkin too." There's really no one else at this level, this esteem of the sport, outside of Andre Ward coming back down to 168, and Canelo and Golovkin going back up to 168. That's even remotely interesting in comparison to a rematch. So. Can you even imagine something being on deck for either of these guys other than a rematch within the next three to six months? No. Absolutely. Not really. And I, and I hope they do. And just just so you know that the, that, that was a lie from those judges, she said that, he won, that Canelo won the last five rounds. <laughs> Go watch the last five rounds. That is an absolute lie. I mean, to just lie to everybody's face like that. But money talks, so... Um, and listen to the crowd. They're booing. They know the truth. Well, th- remember this too. It was I won't say it was a it was a totally lopsided seventy five twenty five crowd, um, but it was most definitely a predominantly Canelo crowd. You heard that in the introductions. To hear that much booing, to hear that much displeasure, I was a little surprised. And, and let and let me say this, and I think this is a very important point that most people kind of look over when it comes to boxing. <laughs> Yes, the most of the Mexican fight crowd was there to support Canelo Alvarez. But there is not a more knowledgeable fight crowd in the world than, than a Mexican fight, fight crowd. crowd. And they want to see a great fight. They want to see Big things drama show. They want to see things done right at the end of the fight, okay? And to see this happen on the biggest scale, even if they're there to cheer for Canelo, they know what happened in the fight and whatever victory comes from a draw, a moral victory of whatever kind, now it's tainted. Yeah, and that bravado, that machismo, that is so much a part of the Mexican boxing culture, if that's wounded, that almost put, that puts you into a situation where you're honor bound to have a rematch. I know that you love that because it's got that Eastern Japanese feel to it to be honor bound, but that's very much the case. Very much the case. You have to have a rematch now. I would just suggest. Has put, Triple G had any rematches yet? I don't think he has. That's actually a very good point. Who wants to fight him again? Um, I would suggest, if Triple G's people at main events ever happen to hear this, have insist the rematch is in New York. I don't care how much yeah. T-Mobile Arena wants you to do it. It needs to be in New York. You did everything the way Golden Boy wanted it. Golden Boy always wins. 
you can't let them have that in a rematch. And this was it was infuriating to see it again because again we come back to the exact same point that we've had time and time again in boxing. We had it in the first Lewis Holyfield fight. We've had it in you know, Delahoya Trinidad was absolutely atrocious. We keep having big fights, big events. I would rather have seen one of these guys bite a piece of the other one's ear off because at least you could have something interesting to talk about instead of every every blowhard that hates boxing, every sports writer that thinks they know something about it that doesn't, getting on TV on Monday morning and saying, well, it happened again. Boxing did it again. Because that's exactly what we're going to have. Yeah. This is a fight that even even those with the most rudimentary knowledge of the sport could see what happened in this fight. Yeah. Turn the sound off, stop listening to the crowd, and watch what's happening in the fight. Canelo rallies for 20 or 30 seconds. It was the, it was the same tactics that Ray Leonard used to, air quotes, beat Marvin Hagler. Fight 10 or 15 seconds around, three times in a round, try to steal it. Big burst. Axel Schultz tried to do it with George Foreman, and people still complain about the Foreman-Schultz decision. Foreman was winning two minutes and 15 or 20 seconds of every round. That should translate on the cards. And it should have translated tonight. It didn't. Adelaide Bird was at a paid bird. She's she was paid. She's got the off. worst cards out of every freaking fight. Well, she's probably only a judge because her husband is a Hall of Fame referee, Robert Bird. And he's a good I referee. Don't give a shit. It's you wrong. suck. This was absolutely atrocious. They need to prove that she's paid off and arrest her. Or at least check her eyesight. I mean, uh, do you understand the scoring criteria? Teddy Atlas has said this multiple times in the past, and I agree with Teddy across the board on this. And he's gotten commission members at ringside on national TV and told them to their face, and I love it. It's one of my favorite things in the world. I love Teddy Atlas. if if the Nevada State Athletic Commission is serious about policing themselves when it comes to a outrageous scorecards and ridiculous verdicts in fights where millions and millions of dollars are being invested into it by those who are in person, by those who are watching on pay-per-view. Um, sponsor dollars are at stake. These, peop- these fighters' careers are at stake. Promotional companies are at stake. If they're serious about policing it, which is what a commission is supposed to do, you bring Adelaide Bird in. And for, and for that matter, I am all about equality and equal protection at this point. Bring Dave Moretti and bring Dontrella in and make each of them individually explain the card. How did you score this round? Because if you scored it for them once, if you scored round one for Golovkin once, you're probably going to score it for him again. Now, there will be swing rounds where maybe you'll see it on video and go, you know, I saw it a little differently that time. And you will see things differently from ringside. You'll be stuck on one at a stationary position on one side of the ring and see around a certain way. However, you're not going to see 10 rounds of a fight completely differently than everyone else in the world saw that. Even the most ardent Canelo supporter could not have seen 10 to 2 for Canelo Alvarez. Canelo's mom patted a draw. (laughs) That is outrageous to do that. There were a lot of fans, and you heard it. They didn't like it. And what what's the old adage we've heard for years? Well, you got to you have to really beat the champion to take his yeah. belts. Well, that's true, but you don't have to beat the champion in order to get out of taking a loss, hey, which is what happened tonight. Hey, it's a cop out. Golden Boy Promotions. If uh, if you think you won the fight, I mean, and you want the rematch, then let let Triple G pick the uh, the next set of judges and the next location. If it's a fair fight and you believe you won the fight, then. Let's see three different judges. Let's see a different location. Well, at the very least, let's have the fight in New York. 
Yeah. At the very least, let's take Please it to do a, not bring Miss Bird along. <laughs> the good news is most of the Vegas judges are exclusively Vegas judges. And the way that most of this works with judge selection is the the commission that is overseeing the event, whatever state athletic commission is running it, is going to at least be involved with selecting the judges. In an international setting, you'll see it mixed up. The WBC is always involved in this because the WBC, in their infinite wisdom, and we'll get back to that in a second, they always have their approved list of judges and referees. And that's why you'll have a title fight in New York or in Houston or in Miami. And they're bringing in judges from other states because they're not on the approved list. WBC has always been that way. And let's not forget, they also created that big, ornate, beautiful belt that wasn't attached to a championship. It was just the belt for the winner. Where does that go now? Are they going to now insist that we're going to have a, a, a rematch just so that they can get rid of the belt? Or will they just find the engraving and scrub the name off and use it for the next big mega fight so they can stick their nose in it again. This Again, we come back to the sanctioning bodies and what they get involved with. And where's the WBC based? Anyone? I believe that would be Mexico. Mexico. Go figure. How do you get ranked as the number one contender in the WBC? You prove that you are genetically related to one of the Chavez's. (sighs) And you're probably going to get ranked in the top five. And I guess that extends to the Alvarez family as well. It's outrageous to see this happen over and over and over again. So where do you go from here? You have to go to a rematch, but if it's, if it's not on even odds, if we do it in the same setting again, this, this is an interesting way to put this. And I'll, I'll ask this of both of you, individually. They sign a rematch three, four months down the road. And once again, it's on HBO Pay-Per-View at T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. Boxing... Diehards, boxing purists, we're gonna we're gonna order the fight. Let's who are yeah. we kidding? We're gonna order the fight. Right. The people who were on the fence and decided to get it because how big of a fight it was, and they watched the fight and go, how in the world do you score that? Not again? buying the next one. Well, they whether they do or not is another issue. Should they? Should or or has or does boxing need to prove itself and learn from this again? <clears throat> Because, you know, last time you had the outrageous robbery with Lewis and Holyfield in 1999, and it was, you know, how could you possibly score that fight that way? You had the rematch six months later, the buy rate was higher. Yeah. Nobody learned anything. They, they fed the monster that created that situation, and that fight was in New York. It's all about the circus. So, it's all the hype they can create. So should they do it? Should we see it? Should they buy it again and contribute to the exact same problem? You know, that's our motive here tonight was simple. We all wanted to see the fight, but we weren't going to pay 80 bucks a piece, so we're all going to chip in and make it cheaper and make right. it simple and, and watch the fight that way. Should people even give them one buy rate for what they're doing, yes or no, and why? Uh, bottom line, they will. But, and that's not the question. I don't, I don't think they should, but they will because nobody studies the sport. Nobody looks at it with the detail that they need to. And because of that, it, it's the hype and the hysteria. Well, there was oh, it was a it was a tie last time, and they don't really know why. But people like us on the inside that watch and see the technique understand the four scoring criteria, four criteria that build off each other, they work off each other. Well, we we know the four scoring criteria when we train to fight, when we prepare game plans. We understand that those are part of what we're going to do because judges are watching. They have a hand in this. We have a hand in what they see. But when we know the scoring criteria and they don't, 
or perhaps their bank account makes them forget because bank account amnesia is a very real thing in this sport. How do you counteract that? The, the boxing public has got to have a hand in what happens next. Try to this is more, absolutely insane. Try to create a more objective scoring system, which... Good luck. But is there a more objective one? I uh, computers analysis, and I think that's all horseshit. Well, you know, and we went we went to this because you can watch a fight and <clears throat> listen to what they're saying about CompuBox and go, okay, whoever's running CompuBox has lost their mind. Yeah. He, all, at one point tonight, they said verbatim, of all the punches Golovkin has landed to this point, they've all been jabs, and they were saying this within As a ten second time frame of a replay being shown of him landing a right hand, which is not a jab. So you got, you take that out. They tried to go away from the computerized score or away from the human scoring system uh-huh. and go computerized in the Olympics. When Roy Jones got robbed, it actually got worse. They've gone away from that yep. and now gone to a system that I think has some merit, which is you would have to obviously change this for the professional ranks, but there there are, I believe five judges scoring the fight. They eliminate the outliers on the top end and the low end and take the composite of the other three. That's an interesting way to approach it. So there is some leeway in how to do it. But this is the easiest system in the world, and they can't figure this out. Do we want them to try to do Chinese calculus in the dark here? Oh, hell no. They can't even add it up. Do you want Adelaide Bird trying to do anything more complex than 10-9 for someone who clearly won the round? And again, we talked about how close rounds could come back and bite Golovkin. I thought the last three rounds were close. But she was giving rounds that were clear for Golovkin to Canelo Alvarez. And when you're giving clear rounds to the fighter who clearly lost... Either you don't know what the hell you're watching, or you got a another purpose behind it. Absolutely, absolutely, and and nobody wants to say that out loud because it's a little uncouth. But that's my opinion. Well, it's true. Yeah. So what come if, in, explain your card, explain your card to me. Right. Yeah. That would be good. I mean, I, I would definitely love to see Adeline Bird um, sit down with somebody and watch the fight on TV. And her explain how she scored that Canelo won the last five rounds. Um, that would be really interesting. It has it to be, it has to be on an independent level right. too. And yeah. the reason is sanctioning bodies and commissions will always cover their butt, and we have seen it oh, over yeah. and over. I give you the Manny Pacquiao Jeff Horn fight. They right. said WBO said they were going to Pacquiao won that fight. Yeah, who we, are we, we kidding? We, 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 we okay. reviewed it. So, well, they, they bring their independent counsel in, and we're going to review it and, and see what they yeah, think. who is that counsel hired the, by? The independent counsel has reviewed the fight, and they agree with the fact that Jeff Horn won that fight. Are you insane? What fight are these people watching? Well, they're watching the one they're being paid to watch. Right. And it's the same is true with boxing as is true with anything else you ever do in this world. Follow the money, and you'll find your answers. It's always about what's at the you know, the the pot of gold that's at the end of the rainbow. The problem is the the entity that is usually holding the pot of gold. It's not just sitting there. It's in somebody's hand. Money and talks. you have to make a deal with them to get what's in it. And we're seeing that over and over in boxing. Everybody's still stuck in this 1950s mentality that organized crime is running the sport. It's not. It's just organized crime in the way that the sport is being run now by the usual players. Politics and business. It's politics. All it is is politics because every commission is a part of what? The state government. 
it's not an independent council. And people have the audacity to say that the answer is a federal boxing commission. Yeah. I, this is obviously another topic for another day in, in the podcast world. Name me one thing the federal government has ever gotten involved in and improved. Nothing. Ever. Nothing. Health care. Oh, wait. Now, what will they do? They will use a federal boxing commission as, that's right, another reason Social to tax security. you oh, wait. into oblivion. Because it's all about tax dollars. Andrew, appreciate you. As always, hope you enjoyed the podcast experience. What do you think? Is, is this your first time behind a mic, by any chance? Yes. Other than singing karaoke at the bar. Which is awesome. All right, let's let's um, let's uh, let's pull the, the e-brake on that for a second. You sing karaoke at the bar? I did. Okay. Um, no, little, no, you, don't pull, you don't pull the okay. e-brake. You, you turn on some music. Okay, here, here, here's out. the other thing, though. What's, uh, what's your song of choice? Can't you see by the Marshall Tucker Band? Yes. <laughs> well, yes. Here, here shortly, we are going to have. I'm going to save the announcement for next time about Twitch and all that other stuff. Um, oh, top five list. But, but Teddy Bear is going to debut a song. He has a band. Yes. He has a band. It's, he says it's the best alternative metal folk band in the country. But he's going to debut a song. They're called the Bad Mother Folkers. So he's going to debut a song on our podcast here shortly, and it's a very interesting subject matter. We're not going to spoil that for those who may be involved. Oh, a no, later. We're going to let that one just uh, go. We're going to let it. It's a slow burn like you find in WWE. So we're going, to, we're going to let that happen later. But after that gets debuted, I think we may need to have podcast karaoke because that could be a blast. <laughs> I am not allowed to do that. Uh, well, court you're, order. You're not allowed, allowed to, to do it. You're not allowed to do it by federal law. Court when Congress order. got involved, yeah. we really had to stop I mean, trying really, to push the They put the their foot down. They said, no, just <laughs> shut up. Oh, my gosh. Top five list real quick. Top. Uh, we're doing the top five list next time. All right. Because Steve has to present his as well. True, yeah. We can't so we'll do his Steve. top five list. I've also got teddy bears written down at the house. I don't have it with me. So I want to put everybody's together at the same time. We'll do that. We'll talk about our social media stuff. Uh, we, we will be unlimited on SoundCloud here soon, so we'll be able to have all the upload time that we need. So that means more Apex Live. All of you that are listening, thank you for listening. It's been a blast. Andrew, thank you. Dave, Hope thank you, you enjoyed the fight, even Final though it was thoughts? bullshit. Final thoughts on all of it. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the fight, even though it was, that's, the way, <laughs> that's the way the cookie crumbles. But learn you don't like it learn the scoring criteria and put your voice out there you well, know not just for what you see on tv but go to local stuff that's that's real boxing go to local boxing support that well i'll tell you what i'll make everybody a deal if this rematch happens which i'm skeptical if it, if it will at all but if this rematch happens next time we won't do a podcast live commentary or commentary show pre-fight and post-fight next time we will sit here with microphones and we'll call the fight and we'll tell you what's really happening. Good and HBO idea. will probably get pissed off about it. But we're not broadcasting it live. And nobody's ever really said anything about podcasting a fight. So we'll do it. We'll give you the, the straight information tell you of what's what, going yeah, on. Turn and it we'll down, score it. Turn down the volume. Listen to us. Let's and see it'll, what you it'll be timed. And we'll yeah. give you the time cue so you can sync it up with your video after the fight's over. And we'll tell you what's really going on instead of giving you all the stuff that you hear on a typical TV broadcast, which is mostly promotion and marketing for the fighters they have signed. And they're trying to paint the picture of the fight instead of letting the fight tell you what's going on. And apparently, 
that's what was going on. Maybe the judges were hooked into the TV broadcast tonight, and they were hearing all the cheerleading going on early on until right. Triple G turned the tide, because I think we all noticed that pattern as well. Yeah. But he's just going to go four corners and get, and get beat up. 116-112, Golovkin on my card. Andrew Floyd has the same thing. Dave agrees. I'll call it, Seven, yeah. five, or eight, four, somewhere in there as well. It was a lot of fun. This was our first live show, and it was exclusively boxing. Don't worry. Episode four, we'll be back to what Way we're... more bullshit. We'll be back to what we normally do, which is talking about anything and everything. We've got some fun subject matter to talk about. We've got a lot more shows coming up in the next seven or eight days. It'll be a lot of fun. Dave, Andrew, thank you. Yep. I enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I'm Brad. That's Andrew. That's Dave. It was Steve. And this has been Apex Live. Good night. There's no way I'm gonna let go There's no way Because it's my show